Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wounded Blue Hour with your host, Randy Sutton. I'm a retired police lieutenant with 34 years of law enforcement experience, the founder of the Wounded Blue, which is the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers, and the author of several books, including the soon-to-be-released Rescuing 911, The Fight for America's Safety. Welcome to another episode. This program is devoted to the physical mental, emotional, and spiritual health of America's law enforcement community. And I welcome you to this show. Of course, we have a fantastic guest waiting for us. But before we uh, bring him into the show, we do, uh, the first thing we do on the show is what's called our reality check. And during this segment of the show, we honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice, given their lives, in the line of duty. And unfortunately, I have three names to read officers who lost their lives just this week. The first is Trooper Aaron Smith of the Indiana State Police in Indiana. Trooper Aaron Smith was struck and killed by a stolen vehicle at about 8.30 p.m. while deploying spike strips to terminate a vehicle pursuit on eastbound I-70 near Six Points Road in Plainfield. Other troopers initiated a pursuit when the vehicle fled as they attempted to stop it. Trooper Smith was on I-70 deploying spike strips when he was hit by the fleeing vehicle. The car crashed after hitting the trooper. The driver and vehicle passengers, including a juvenile, were taken to local hospitals. The driver was charged with murder, and one of the passengers was charged with auto theft. Another passenger was reported as a missing juvenile from Missouri and will not be charged. Trooper Smith was a United States Army National Guard veteran and served with the Indiana State Police for five years. He is survived by his wife. Trooper Aaron Smith, Indiana State Police, Indiana. End of watch, Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. Next is Police Officer Carlos Taylor of the Montgomery Police Department in Alabama. Police Officer Carlos Taylor succumbed to complications of injuries sustained in a vehicle crash on February 17, 2017, at the intersection of Spring Valley Road and Woodley Road. He was responding to a needs assistance call of officers pursuing two men with a gun. He was traveling south on the road in an unmarked patrol car when he attempted to avoid hitting another vehicle. His patrol car crossed into another lane and collided with another vehicle. He suffered a traumatic injury to his brainstem that resulted in him being a quadriplegic and unable to verbally communicate. He remained under constant care until succumbing to his injuries June 30th, 2023. Officer Taylor served the Montgomery Police for two years. Police Officer Carlos Taylor, Montgomery Police Department, Alabama. End of watch Friday, June 30th, 2023. And the third officer to lose his life in the line of duty this week. Sergeant Heather Glenn of the Tell City Police Department in Indiana. Sergeant Heather Glenn was shot and killed while attempting to arrest a subject at the Perry County Medical Hospital in Tell City. Sergeant Glenn was investigating a domestic violence incident involving an injured woman who was being treated at the hospital. When the woman notified authorities that the subject was arriving at the hospital, Sergeant Glenn and officers from Tell City Police Department Perry County Sheriff's and Cannelton Police Department responded. 
The subject resisted arrest, and despite using an electronic control weapon, Sergeant Glenn could not subdue the man. The man pulled out a gun and fatally shot Sergeant Glenn. Other officers returned fire and killed the suspect. Sergeant Glenn had served with the Tell City Police Department for 20 years. Sergeant Heather Glenn, Tell City Police Department, Indiana, end of watch, Monday, July 30th, 2023. Each of these officers served with distinction, made the ultimate sacrifice, and gave their lives in the line of duty for the citizens that they serve. May they rest in peace. Now, these are the latest officers to give their lives in the line of duty. Uh, but to update you on the number of police officers shot in the line of duty in, uh, in 2023 so far, uh, up until June, uh, the end of June, the beginning of July, the total number of police officers is a stunning 194. 194 officers shot in the line of duty just this year. And these numbers continue to climb. Uh, literally, uh, every single day a police officer is being shot. And that doesn't even bring into consideration those who are being attacked physically, kicked, beaten, hit with objects. Uh, last year, more than 60,000 officers were physically assaulted in the line of duty. And that's why the Wounded Blue is such an important, critical part of the effort to help law enforcement officers once they're injured or disabled. And we recognize that those injuries can be physical or psychological and emotional. And this part of the, the program where we, where we eulogize those who have given their lives and talk about the violence towards our officers is a critical component of why the Wounded Blue exists. So. I'm going to bring in our guest. I'm going to read you his background, which is pretty amazing, and uh, that he's taking the time to join us here. By the way, we're filming this on Independence Day, July 4th, and uh, shows you his dedication, and, and, and mine too, okay? Let's just say this, all right? It's July 4th, and, and we're filming today because this, this information is so critical to bring uh, to you. Josh Goldberg is my guest today in January 2023. Josh became the first chief executive officer of the Bouldercrest Foundation, a national 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to ensuring first responders, combat veterans, and their family members live great lives in the midst of struggle, stress, and trauma. In this role, Josh is responsible for Boulder Crest's operations and activities, overseeing Boulder Crest, Arizona, Boulder Crest, Virginia, and Boulder Crest Institute, Boulder Crest training and education work to include the Warrior Path and Struggle Well programs and mobile applications and fundraising, marketing, and partnership efforts. Prior to his appointment as CEO, Josh co-founded and led the Boulder Crest Institute for post-traumatic stress growth from 2018 to 2022. Josh has also co-authored two books, Struggle Well and Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma and Transformed by Trauma, Stories of Post-Traumatic Growth, alongside Dr. Richard Tedeschi and Dr. Brett Moore. I welcome to our program, Josh Goldberg. Josh, thanks so much for taking time out of your holiday schedule 
which I, I know is, is on the East Coast is uh, being celebrated today in grand fashion in your home. It is. And uh, thanks for having me, Randy. And I can't think of a, a better day to, to be able to have this conversation, especially in light of what you just shared and, and the three officers lost last week. And, um, you know, these are the men and women who allow us to enjoy the freedoms that we have. And so what better way to honor them by spending some time talking about how we help them live great lives. That is a great point. You're 100% right. You know, um, when we think of protecting America, you know, we often categorize our veterans and those who serve in the military as the protectors of the American freedom. But that they don't do that job alone. Uh, the American law enforcement community plays an integral role when it comes down to the protection of the people of America and allowing Americans to uh, enjoy the freedoms that um, that were that were given to us by the founders of this country around this particular time back in the 1700s uh, granted to us by the Constitution of the United States of America. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you look at that you have folks who, who stand watch right on the front lines of, of our society and who help keep law and order and who help allow us to do the things that, that we get to do in this morning. Uh, I was, I was got the chance to check out a parade for a little while and, and you see it. And I think, you know, you, you describe all of the challenges that I think we see in, in the assaults and, and, and officers getting shot at. Uh, and I think in that spirit, you see the greatest cause of stress for these men and women that's been reported in a recent survey is the way they're perceived by their society and the way they're perceived in the media. And I think what's interesting about that and trying to find some balance is that what I, what I think in terms of the silent majority is the overwhelming majority of people in this country are incredibly grateful that they're men and women who, who are going to be there on what, what's likely to be their worst day. And you dial three numbers and somebody shows up. And in, in so many ways, I think about this as like superhero stuff, right? Like the bat signal, you know, all of a sudden, and then somebody appears and they're willing to do whatever it takes to, to, to do what needs to be done. And I think there's just something profound. And as a civilian in this world, um, it's been deeply humbling. And as I say to these men and women all the time is they make me a better man. They may be a better version of myself because of their example. And, and you're, you're a great, great example of that, Randy, in terms of not only your career, but also everything you've done since then. And it, it's the, the, the world's lucky to have you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, Josh, I want the, the uh, before we get into the work of Bouldercrest, um, well, I want to share this with my listeners and viewers. Um, I had the great opportunity to meet Josh and also the founder of Bouldercrest, Ken uh, Falk, uh, just a few weeks ago when I traveled to Virginia and spent hours at this incredible facility that I can only describe as magical in Virginia, one of the most beautiful places that I've seen. And, I, and before we talk about that, so you you don't have a law enforcement background, and yet you are you are playing in a space that is critical to law enforcement as well as veterans. Talk a little bit about how you got involved in this work and a little bit about your, your background, where you grew up and what led you to, uh, to take on such a monumental uh, task as, as what you're doing now. You know, I, I like to consider myself the, the luckiest civilian on the face of the earth because I get to spend every day of my life with, with men and women who have done things that I've not only never done, but never aspired to do and quite frankly, don't think I'd be very good at. And, and it is a profound honor. 
you know, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I grew up as a part of a Jewish family. And as I like to tell people, you know, as part of a Jewish family, you get taught that you're supposed to use this and not these um, and, and spend a lot of time inside inside reading books. I tell people I'm, I'm an indoor Jew uh, and I don't hunt, camp, fish or, or understand why anyone sleeps outside in a tent when you can sleep in a perfectly good bed. But like the driving force in my life, I think, was to to be successful. And, and it's really interesting when I think about kind of how it all came to pass. I have two parents. My mom's a teacher. My dad's a physician. They're in helping professions. But somehow I got kind of off the, the beat, off, off kilter, if you will. And, and somehow maybe it was the rap music I listened to as a kid. But I had this sense that like success was money, power, and respect. And by the time I was in my early 30s, I had achieved all of these things. I'd worked for these international companies, lived around the world, had the right car, the right house, was married to someone whose family had tons of money. And by all accounts to like little young civilian Josh, I would have said if you told me 20 years before that, that that's what my life was going to be. I would have been like, oh, that sounds like a great life and I've done well. The, the problem was that it was profoundly hollow. And, and then I remember a day in 2011 when my, my wife, who's now my ex-wife, asked me at the time, she said, is this how you want to spend the rest of your life? And I looked at her and I was like, I don't, I don't know. And I need to think on that. And so I started to do a lot of reflection and introspection, and I really came to the conclusion that I, that I was dead inside. And, and one of my favorite quotes is, "Life, um, death isn't the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside while still alive. And, and I truly felt like that flame had gone out. And uh, I started to make a bunch of changes in my life to include getting divorced, switching careers, making changing friends. I tried to really deconstruct all these elements of this false life I was living. And on the one hand was profoundly liberated, and on the other was profoundly destabilized because everything I'd attached my value to was, was gone. I'd given it away. And so I, I began to struggle mightily with panic attacks, couldn't sleep, drinking too much, hanging out with the wrong kind of people, um, tried to go to mental health to get some help. The lady told me I was depressed, and I told her that, that that label wasn't very helpful. I was like, I got some real challenges that I'm trying to grapple with, and I needed help to figure out how to do that. And I had gotten really to this point where I didn't think I had much left in the tank to figure it out. And I started making plans to, to take my life. And I happened to work for a guy named Mort Meyerson. And Mort ran, ran Ross Perot's companies uh, and then had lost his son. And I don't know if Mort saw something in me that he had seen in his son, but he handed me a copy of a book one day called Man's Search for Meaning by uh, a guy named Viktor Frankl. And Frankl was an Austrian uh, psychiatrist who spent three years in Fort Concentration Camp, lost his wife, his parents. Uh, in the camps. And he wrote this book in 1946. And he really wrote the book to describe what we're supposed to do with suffering. And, and one of the things I took from that book was that uh, if I wanted to help myself and get out of this hole, I should try to serve a cause greater than my own, try to help somebody else. And I had that idea and I was excited that I had some clarity for the first time. And a week later, uh, I got asked by a friend of my brother's if I could help work with a guy who was on the Cowboys, which is my football team, and his wife. And his wife's brother had died in Afghanistan. He was a Marine. And I met with them and they told me what they wanted to do. And, and what I was struck by as it related to the mental health challenges on the veteran side was that I, I had never served a day in my life, but I very much understood what I was reading about people's struggles. And it made me think there was a universal aspect to this. And so over the course of that journey, and I guess, I don't know if I took the red pill or the blue pill, but uh, essentially this, this sort of window opened up into my life. And it was just one veterans group after another being like, hey, we heard you work with veterans. Can you help us? Can you help us? And so I started to help a bunch of different groups. And in that process, I met the man uh, that founded our organization, Ken Falk. Ken was a Navy bomb disposal tech for 22 years. Uh, grew up with his dad being a DC cop. And Ken in 2013 had opened the first privately funded wellness center in the country dedicated to combat veterans and their families. 
Uh, and in 2017, we opened that up to include first responders. And so, you know, to me and for me, um, I get to wake up every day of my life and I have this innate sense of not just joy and gratitude, but a sense of purpose. And, um, and it's really is being around the law enforcement community, the military community, uh, other first responder communities who've helped me realize that the point of life is to impact other people and to be of service. And so, you know, my commitment is, and I, and, and to be, to be t- totally honest, I don't think I'd be alive if I hadn't crossed paths with members of these communities. And so to me, the best way for me to pay it forward or pay it back is to help folks who are in those communities to live great lives and to get, be of continued service doing what they love doing, which is helping the community and helping each other. And so that's kind of the short version of, of my story of, of how I got as sort of, uh, one time we were doing a training in Miami and one of the people gave me a unicorn stuffed animal. And I said, what is this? And she said, I don't understand why you understand. She goes, but you're a unicorn because somehow you've never walked a day in our shoes, but you seem to understand what it's like to live in them. And and for me, it's just about being curious and listening and being humble and realizing like, you know, at some level as humans, we go through universal aspects of our struggle and we're just trying to figure out how to how to navigate it. And and that gives me the greatest joy is is to get to see that people come back to life, if you will, and, and get to relight that flame. Incredible story. Incredible story. And and unusual. I mean, you chose a path that I mean, you were you were on literally on easy street. And, and living a life that uh, most people would view as the epitome of success. Money, power, the, the, the fast cars, the, the, that, that life. And, um, and the fact that you um, ended that, that part of your life in order to choose the role of service. So maybe you didn't choose the role of actually wearing a uniform, but you still chose the role of service, and that's that's the uh, that's the universal good right there. And you know, I you're, I'm struck by what you by what you told me, and it, and it it really strikes home because with the, with the wounded blue, of course, you're very familiar with our organization, but it's made up of uh, 45 right now. The number is 45. Volunteers who uh, are are uh, current or former police officers, all who have faced serious physical or emotional traumas. Many are are disabled as a result of their service, and yet they find meaning. They find they find something life sustaining in continuing to serve. And I know that from my own experience, from from you know, where, where, where my path took me, that if I wasn't continuing to serve, then I don't think that I would have a life worth living. So, you know, I, I, I guess that what your, your, um, your story really points out is the critical part of our, our heart and soul. Um, and, and by the way, I also want my audience to know this, that, um, I was given this same book uh, by Viktor Frankl, uh, by Josh and Ken, and I've been reading it, and it is, uh, it should be required reading by every human, because it would give, it gives such insight, it gives such, um, such a, a philosophical shot in the arm, if you will, um, to understand what what the universal struggle truly is. So. Um, it's a, a, you know, your, your path's fascinating and now you're 
and now you are the executive director of this amazing organization. So if you would, let's talk about what Boulder Crest is and what Boulder Crest does. So, you know, we like to say at Boulder Crest that we're the home of something called post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth is the idea that times of struggle and trauma in our lives can catalyze growth and transformation. And, and in many respects, uh, is at odds with the prevailing narrative that bad things equal a bad life. And, and in so many ways, and you talk about Frankel, you talk about, you know, your entire crew and, and your own journey, is there's some innate sense that while you suffered and, and while you can't do some of the things you used to be able to do, you can continue to be of service and to learn and grow and, and, and be able to serve other people. And I think one of the challenges that Bouldercraft operates, as we look at kind of our core mission, is really normalize struggle. Every human being will go through struggle, especially people and human beings that are exposed to often people's worst days, uh, and to democratize the ability for people to struggle well. And this operates at odds with a, with a system that has really pathologized struggle and traffics and diagnosis and disconnection and disorder in a way that often leads people feeling like once they begin to struggle, it's the beginning of the end. And so, as, as I mentioned, Bouldercrest was founded in 2013. We opened this uh, retreat center in Virginia. And really the idea and, and, and the goal was to host families for rest and reconnection after long deployments, time in the hospital, and then recognizing that there was a lot of psychological injuries that were coming out of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan to host other programs. And that was kind of going to be it. And in the content, in the, in the, in the <coughs> course of the journey where people were running their programs, we got to observe them. And we said, you know, this isn't it. People deserve better. And Ken and I went on a mission to start to figure out what would better look like? What would allow people who are really struggling to live a good life again, to live, as you said, a life worth living, not feel less bad, not manage their symptoms, but to live a good life. And in that journey, we met a guy named Rich Tedeschi and Rich had coined the term clinical psychologist at UNC Charlotte in 1995, coined this term post-traumatic growth. And when we met Rich, we talked to him and said, you know, could we build a program around this science, around this idea? And he said that he didn't know if it was possible, but he was willing to give it a shot. And so in 2014, we started a program called Warrior Path. And Warrior Path is now being delivered uh, by nine teams in, in 13 locations around the country, which includes Bouldercrest's second location in Sonoida, Arizona, just south of Tucson. Uh, and Warrior Path's for combat veterans and first responders who are struggling. You don't need a clinical diagnosis. It's just the sense that how life is isn't how you want it to be. And often people struggle with, with whether or not they can find a life worth living here. It's a peer-based program that's 90 days in duration, but starts with seven days at one of these locations of intensive training, done with six to eight people at a time in male and female cohorts. And, you know, in our journey back in about 2016, we brought in two psychologists, Tedeschi and another Dr. Moore, to evaluate this because what we wanted to do was prove out whether we could achieve sustained transformation because, you know, it's easy to have people go away for a week in the Blue Ridge Mountains or somewhere else nice, feel better for a little bit, and then go back to life as it was. Um, but we really wanted to help change people's lives in a permanent fashion in a way that allowed them to continue to be of service to themselves and their community and family. And when the data proved that out, um, we partnered with uh, a group called the Avalon Action Alliance, it's a sound known, which is really uh, an effort of the, the two founders of Home Depot, Arthur Blank and Bernie Marcus, to expand this effort. Um, and then in 2019, really was when we dove hardcore into the law enforcement space. Obviously, in the aftermath, you had COVID. And then, you know, in the years to come, you had George Floyd, civil unrest, everything else that's taken place, so staffing issues, retention issues, recruiting issues, the media. So what we started to do is say, you know, it's great to have people come to us. But we live in communities, as you well know, Randy, where people are not that inclined to ask for help. 
And so the question was, how can we bring these principles and practices of post-traumatic growth into the world? And so in 2019, we started this, what we call the First Responder Initiative, an effort to bring uh, our struggle well philosophy into the culture. And, and since then, trained tens of thousands of, of officers and first responders around the country. And it's not a day that goes by when I don't get an email from another department saying, hey, can you bring this work, this post-traumatic growth idea uh, to our department because we need help? but we also don't wanna be victims. We don't wanna be victims of the worst experiences of our life. We don't wanna to be told we all have PTSD and that's our inevitable kind of destination. We want to be able to keep doing what we love, but we wanna be able to do it in a way where the job isn't killing us. And, and that's what seems like too much is happening, so. The, I, I, can't, I can't impress enough upon the viewers and listeners about about the importance of what you, uh, what you just spoke about. We've gotta take a, a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk more in depth about the programs themselves. So uh, stay right there and we got to take a quick break. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. One Nation Coffee. One Nation Coffee. Patriotic, uh, veteran-owned, uh, very, very good coffee. I w actually went down and visited their roasting facility and met with the folks down there, uh, John and his crew, and they are amazing people. 
The coffee is delicious. You order it online, they bring it right to your house. You can get the ground coffee, you can get beans. I like to grind my own. They've got uh, also got these, uh, you know, the, the containers that you put in your Kerrig or whatever that thing is called. So um, One Nation Coffee, go to onenationcoffee.com, order your coffee and uh, you'll get great coffee and you'll be supporting uh, a patriotic company that supports the wounded blue. So uh, go to onenationcoffee.com. As you know, this show is devoted to the, uh, the safety, uh, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, of the law enforcement community. And so uh, anybody that advertises on this program, that has to be the, the basic. They have to be part of that, that, that effort. And I want to tell you about OfficerPrivacy.com, a, a law enforcement-owned company that is doing some incredible work. Now, OfficerPrivacy.com... When I met uh, the owner, Pete James, who, uh, who was a retired uh, police officer from California, he brought to my attention something that I had no idea about, and that is how easy it is to find personal information, including where I live, by doing internet searches. And, and he showed me, Randy, I, anybody can find you, anybody can find your home, anybody can find the cars you drive if they know what they're doing. He says, but OfficerPrivacy.com is a strategy that, uh, it, that uh, utilizes police officers, everybody that works for him has been a cop, to literally eliminate much of this information from the Internet. They actually go in and scrub information that, that could lead to you know, potential problems. Let's face it, there's people out there that know how to use that, that Internet and they have nefarious purposes. They want to find police officers. How many cops have been have been you know attacked in their own homes? That uh, their their vehicles have been vandalized. Well, we owe it to ourselves and our families to do everything in our power to to eliminate risks. So go to officerprivacy.com. It's not expensive, and and see what they're doing. Sign up. It's a um, uh, it's a it's a great company. They're doing great work. They support the Wounded Blue in a major way. And, uh, and, and I can tell you this, that uh, I know that um, for, my own, for my own sense of self, it brings peace of mind. So go to officerprivacy.com, check it out, and make a connection with them. Uh, before we get back to Josh and our guest, I also want to talk about the Wounded Blue. Now, the Wounded Blue is the National Assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers, a 501c3, and it is a national charity. What the Wounded Blue does, the mission is very, very simple, uh, to improve the lives of injured and disabled officers through what we call SEAL, support, education, assistance, and legislation. And to date, we've helped more than 14,000 police officers. Uh, the team is made up of, of all uh, police officers, and we also have spousal support, because what we have realized is that that, that those who are 
who are, are suffering from being injured, either physically or psychologically, feel very much alone. And so the peer advocate support team of the Wounded Blue serves an incredible function. Now, if you can read what I have on my t-shirt here, it is never forgotten, never alone. That is the mission of the Wounded Blue. We can't do this alone though. I'm asking you, if you are listening, if you're watching, go to thewoundedblue.org and hit that donate button and give what you can. I really advocate, if you can just do $10 a month on a recurring basis, um, you can help a hero. And uh, believe me, these men and women are very deserving of your help. Uh, also, if you are law enforcement or have been, the we are holding our third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit to be held in Las Vegas, September 26th through the 29th. It's only $295 to, to attend this. It is every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career physically, emotionally, psychologically, relationships, spiritually. We have the, some of the best speakers in the country. And by the way, today's guest, Josh, is going to be one of those speakers. I'm proud to have him as part of the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. So you don't want to wait. It's uh, uh, Plus, by the way, we don't have a conference unless we have some fun. So we've got Vinny Montez, who is an incredible comedian and an active duty police officer, going to be uh, uh, coming to entertain us. And, uh, you know, if you can't smile a little bit during a conference, we're, you're, you're doing something wrong. So uh, make sure that you go to thewoundedblue.org and register for the third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. Dave Grossman is going to be there this year. I've got one, a very famous... A well-known actor who is one of the greatest motivational speakers I've ever seen. I'm not going to tell you who he is because I'm going to let it be a, a, a secret until you get there. All right, go to thewoundedblue.org, give, see what we do, and participate in the third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. Let's bring Josh back in. So, Josh, um, I'm really happy that you're going to be attending the uh, the summit and going to be a speaker where you're going to be talking about the same the same topics that we're talking about right now and getting the word out about about this incredible uh program series of programs that you guys have um post-traumatic stress growth is a concept that i am a deep deep believer in uh i've seen it in place i've it, it's been my experience that uh through the traumas that that, uh, that I have faced, that there truly can be life-sustaining and, and, and uh, you can live a fantastic life after being exposed to trauma. So let's talk about the, uh, the, the programs a little more in depth. Yeah, you know, and, and as I said, I think that in so many ways that we've, we've, the pendulum's overswung, you know, and it used to be that the prevailing ethic in these cultures were suck it up, buttercup, this is what you signed up for, and now it's everyone's gonna get PTSD on the other side. And I think both of those things are, are really unhelpful and damaging. And when we think about what our aspiration and objective is relative to the military, relative to law enforcement and the first responder landscape, it's really to change the culture and to to give people the opportunity to realize that yes, you are exposed to a lot of, of trauma, stress, struggle, and hardship, both 
personally and professionally. And there are ways to navigate that in a healthy and constructive fashion. And so it really is in many respects about flipping the script, but also providing a roadmap for how that takes place. And so, you know, through all the training we do, our struggle well training programs, which are two and five day trainings, through our warrior path program, the goal is really to help people understand how to operationalize exactly what you just said, how to navigate through these moments when when it's like earthquakes hit your life. And and in the in the most important aspect of that entire journey is trust and connection. And you talk about never forgotten, never alone. You know, I think a lot about when I think about this word alone is, is when people go through really great difficulty in their life and they don't do it well, when they struggle poorly, is people judge themselves. And there's a lot of fear associated with that. There's a lot of shame associated with that. And, you know, I always think about the Liverpool football team over in England. They sing to their, their players. They sing, you'll never walk alone. And I think that is at the heart of what is a critical part of the journey of struggle is to create cultures where people who are struggling with a difficult call, struggling with family issues, custody hearings, parents with dementia, kids with severe developmental disabilities can lean in and talk to people at work and not feel like they're being pathologized, not being labeled, not being diminished, but that they have the opportunity to be able to, to walk together. And so a big part of our effort is designed to facilitate that connection. And, and from there, start to educate people about the existence and idea of post-traumatic growth and how to bring it to bear in their life through the right kind of practices and people. And so, you know, in some respects, it seems like a, a lot of work, I guess I might say, but in other respects, it's not. You know, the incentive here is do hard things and your life will get meaningfully better and it will not only affect your ability to, to do well on the job and to police well, but it will affect your ability to parent well, to be in relationships with other people, all of these things that that I think are so important as aspects of what it means to live a great life. And, and so that's really what drives us is, is a peer-based approach that facilitates an environment where people can start to reflect and talk about these things. And, and the one thing I hear over and over and over again is I thought I was the only one. And I'm certain that, you know, with the wind of blue, you guys hear that all the time is, you know, life is hard, but it's a hell of a lot harder when you feel like you're, you're going through it by yourself. And, and that's a big part of what we have to remedy. You know, I, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, you know, one of the things that is somewhat of a misnomer in policing is this, is that we're, we're a blue family, you know, that we're, we're a very tight-knit group of people and, and we always have each other's backs. And that's not really the case very often. You know, it's, um, it, we, we, sh we share a, a commonality in that, um, you know, we, we face similar experiences on the job, whether you're in, whether you're in, in a, a three-man police department in, uh, in, a, in a rural area of, of Montana, or you're part of the, you know, one of the largest police departments in the world is New York City PD. You're going to face similar circumstances. Now, of course, it may not come at you as fast if you're in a smaller community, but you, inevitably, you are going to experience trauma. You're going to see violent death. You're going to be in the presence of people who are suffering. And, and unless you're not really human, it's going to have some type of effect on you. So what, what um, your organization does is so critical in, 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 um, in giving preparation for that and giving understanding and and I, I want I want I want the you know the the listeners and viewers to know that we're not talking about a rehab facility, right? We're not talking about 
you know, going into a, into a facility for 30 days or 45 days and dealing with, 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 you know, certain issues like addiction, but it is all, it all revolves around the same type of, of, of issues that we're all facing. So I know you, you've got struggle well, and you've got war, warrior path, um, go into a little bit more about those programs. So the way I like to think about it is, is Warrior Paths where people come to us and Struggle Wells where we come to the world. And so, you know, our Warrior Path program um, is for, you know, first responders and, and uh, combat veterans who are struggling. And, and struggle can come in a lot of different forms, you know, and, and I don't like, as it might be obvious, clinical diagnoses because I often think people feel like they're permanent and fatal uh, to their life and existence. Uh, but, you know, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, these kinds of things that cause us to really reflect on, is it always going to be like this? Um, or do I, do I really have a lot left in the tank to stay? And so the Warrior Path program, you go on, you apply on warriorpath.org. That path is two H's, so P-A-T-H-H.org. And uh, you apply and you'll, you'll walk through a pretty significant application to explain why you're coming. It's important to note that everything's delivered free of charge to uh, the people we serve to include travel, everything's covered by, by philanthropy and grants. Uh, and then uh, if it's a good fit to come away to a program with, with fellow law enforcement officers, first responders, veterans, who are all walking a very similar path and, and getting the chance to connect deeply with them and also learn educationally and experientially. And we tend not to talk too much about what happens at Warrior Path um, at, at the request of, of prior attendees. Um, but, but you're with us for seven days and then supported for 90 days. So ongoing video conference calls, we have a private app, uh, ongoing learning designed to consistently shape people's perspective to, to realize that there is possibilities to grow in the midst of, of stress and struggle. And one of the things that's interesting is that 80% of our thoughts on a daily basis are negative. Uh, and, and when you, you add in difficulty into that equation, you, it's easy to see how people get stuck in really, really dark places. And so. Warrior Path's designed not to simply help people feel better, but to do better. And, and what the data say the evaluation looks at is that it's achieving results that, that trump anything you could possibly imagine from you know, a combination of medicine and, and psychotherapy to any other kind of treatment, that it allows people to grow. And when we talk about post-traumatic growth, people grow in five areas. They grow in a sense of new possibilities, which is this idea that while the path I was on is no longer available to me, new paths are that could be even more fulfilling. And you talked about this in the life-sustaining work that you guys do at the Wounded Blue. The second is deeper relationships, a sense of deeper connection to others who support you. A third is personal strength. A fourth is appreciation for life and a sense of gratitude for what you do have. And then the last is this idea of spiritual and existential change, a, a sense of meaning and purpose. And so that's what we're driving at. The Struggle Well program is currently delivered in partnership with hundreds of agencies around the country. We have big presence in Florida, in Arizona, in Massachusetts, South Carolina, doing a lot of work up in Oregon and Washington, uh, Virginia, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna run out of all the names and, and kind of forget them, but, <laughs> but a number of different states. And the idea is 25 people at a time from a department, which can often include, uh, if it's smaller departments, include kind of a regional hub model and to really go and introduce the principles and practices of post-traumatic growth and essentially have a conversation that is designed to shift people's perspective, catalyze their willingness to talk about stuff for the first time, most likely, with each other and start to put the pieces together that allow them to begin walking the path of, of growth. And to your point, it's as useful for someone who's been, who just retired as it is for someone who just got there. And that's a big part of this journey is unquestionably 
you know, members of the law enforcement community are exposed to more of what they call potentially traumatic events than your, your regular person. And, and the question is, how do we equip people to deal with that? And in some respects, you know, you don't want people to get numb, right? It's not like the fourth dead kid you see, it shouldn't affect you. That's not, because if, if that's the case, what's happening is you're losing your humanity. And that's going to percolate and permeate every encounter you have, because you can't just be that way at work and turn the switch back on at home. And so it's figuring out how do you allow people to navigate this? And that's where normalizing struggle is important is, yes, there will be causes to struggle. And if there's good resources in one another and peer support and in, you know, in-house clinicians, outhouse clinicians, all of those kinds of things allow that. But the goal is really to train people in these immersive ways to shift perspective. So Struggle Well is done in two and five day uh, experiences. And as you would might expect, uh, plenty of people get voluntold and it's always fun. <laughs> as you can imagine, if you get voluntold to go to Struggle Well training, the, the way in which a police officer in, uh, experiences that is someone's telling me I'm effed up and that I need to get help. And it's, it's an amazing journey when people start that way on the first day. And by the second or third day, they're, you know, what, what they keep saying to us, and this is a tough crowd. They keep saying this is the best training I've ever been through in 20 years, 30 years. I only wish I had it soon. And right. that's a big driver for us is when we talk about transforming the culture, is really being thoughtful because what I don't think is helpful is to tell a brand new cop, hey, let me tell you all about PTSD because you're planting a seed that's going to grow over time because every time that person starts to quiver in their lives, they're going to attach it to this label that has a great deal of weight to it versus being like, yes, you have signed up for a very challenging lifestyle and you are a human being. There are human issues you will deal with that are separate and apart from being a cop. And our goal is to teach you what nobody teaches us in school which is how do we navigate this stuff? Because ultimately the measure of our life will be dictated by our capacity to deal with the incredibly difficult, unfortunate, traumatic events that we experience. And nobody teaches us how to deal with that. So we go through them, we struggle, we go to somebody, they give us a label and a diagnosis, and we believe that, our, that we now have to get used to a quote unquote new normal. And that new normal is never good, right? It always means you have to get used to a lesser life than you used to have to have. And I think that's a recipe for hopelessness. So to us, you know, the, the main ingredient we have to have in our lives is hope. And post-traumatic growth represents hope, but hope without a roadmap is, is sort of just a sick trick, right? It's a cruel trick. So part of our goal in our trainings and warrior path and struggle well is to be able to operate and share that roadmap with people and then provide ongoing support and connection and training that this really becomes the gold standard for how departments and agencies address the subject of wellness from a philosophical perspective. We're not saying we're the end all be all, but that philosophically, if you're operating in, in spaces where there's a lot of trauma exposure, then you have to be able to help people grow because the alternative to me is unthinkable. The alternative is that, that as people go through their life, it charts a downward trajectory like this. And we can't have that because then someone retired and they got, that's it, right? They're, they got divorces, kids won't talk to them. They, they hate their life and they're not going to stay. And we see this because, you know, what I was struck by when you were sharing those numbers at the beginning of the broadcast is as, as, as crazy as those numbers are, the number of cops being shot at, the number of, of, of cops we've lost this year is we still in the midst of a hugely dangerous job that's gotten even more dangerous. We still lose more cops to suicide than we do in the line of duty. And yes. that is so profoundly unacceptable that, that we don't just stop and be like, this is not what, what we have to fix this. And so that's a big part of our effort is to us, the opposite of suicide is a life worth living. And that's what we're doing. We're training people on how to do that while they're on the job, when they get done with the job, 
when they can no longer do the job or whatever it may entail. You know, um, you you touched on something that is that is critical, and that is that police officers when they when they retire um, are they they don't just go away in in a hole, right? They're still bearing the burdens that they had with them during their during their careers. And unfortunately, we've seen, you know, the actuarial is pretty frightening is that that a police officer will uh, will die at the age the average age of 57, just like six years after retirement. That's not acceptable. And and the the reasons for that or, you know, there's of course, there's some physical reasons, uh, you know, lifestyle, uh, bad diets and things like that. But mostly it's it's part of the emotional well-being or the lack of well-being so retired officers can take advantage of your program as well absolutely and i think you know what i love about what i get to do from an organizational perspective is especially with this struggle well work as it grows is we hiring retired cops who get the opportunity to not only make sense of their experiences right and set down some of these burdens they've carried for far too long and also to use all the wisdom they've gained, hard-fought wisdom, you know, bad, bad, bad decisions they made, whether it's in marriage, divorce, you know, the number of times you hear from retired cops, like don't, you know, overtime is an interesting mistress, but don't do it, right? It's the time with your family is infinitely more valuable than, than money. And you hear this opportunity and provide them with the opportunity to continue to stay connected to a community that they deeply love. Because, you know, one of the struggles we see on both the first responder side and the military side is when people get out, when they retire, is you you lose three things. You lose your identity, right? Who are you now? You lose your sense of purpose, right? You get up, up in the morning and sure, it's fun to play golf for two weeks, but like at some point that just gets old and you lose your tribe, you lose your community. And so to me, a big part of our effort when we talk about the value of peers, which I know you know well, is to put these retired officers in the place where they can serve as, as, as the, the elder, right? As the wise elder who's able to go in and help share from their experiences. And I think that's one of the other things that, that we're looking at and looking for is to continue to find people that we can train up to, to do this. And, and the coolest part about that is that not only do they get you know gainful employment and get to be around their community, but definitionally, they get the opportunity to find some peace with these unresolved things that you talked about. Because to me, it's like when you're doing the job, you can outrun maybe even by two feet all of the crap you've never had to face but the minute it stops, right? And we see this in the military when someone goes from like an active kinetic role that's downrange a lot, deployed a lot, to a training job, is, is all of that stuff all of a sudden hits you. And it's, it's being able to look at it, empty that rucksack so that you can keep moving forward. And so for us, you know, the Warrior Path side, on the Struggle Well side, it's designed to be comprehensive. And, and what I'm, I'm proud of, you know, to, to name check one group, the folks in Tucson have been an incredible partner in the Struggle Well work because not only is it, is in the academy, but they're running programs for family members to include the kids. They're running programs for retirees. The idea is that to, to really honor this notion that if you are a part of Tucson police, you're always a part of that department. And I think that is such an important part of, of ensuring people have that sense of community because I think, like we said earlier, right, never forgotten, never alone, is a lot of retired officers feel forgotten and alone because they're not part of the, 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 the team anymore. And so it's essential, I think, that we figure out how to allow people to transition who have immense skills and capabilities and to keep using those. And, and that's, like I said, my, I think my favorite thing to do is to get to hire members of these communities, because I know 
how much meaning it brings to their lives. And I also know how much peace it will also bring. You are doing amazing work. Now, uh, talk about where the facilities, the different facilities are again. Sure. So Boulder Crest has two facilities. We have one in Virginia and Bluemont, about 50 miles west of D.C., and then one in Sonoyta, Arizona, about an hour south of Tucson. Uh, and then we have two mobile teams who travel around the country to a range of states uh, in between, really, in sort of the, the big sky country and the Great Lakes area who do Warrior Path. And we have partners in seven other states, Florida, Georgia, Texas, South Carolina, Maine, Washington, and Arkansas. Uh, and those partners, in addition to doing Warrior Path, will also do Struggle Well. So we really built this, this community, this, this national network of organizations that are bringing to bear these practices and principles of post-traumatic growth, organizations that are, that are led by members of the military, veteran and first responder communities. And, um, you know, as I said, I, I sometimes shake my head at my life and think, uh, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what I did to deserve uh, this honorary place in these communities, but but I'm damn sure gonna wake up every day and earn it. And, <laughs> and that's the most beautiful part, but it, but it is, it's, you know, our goal is, is, is less leading an organization, I guess, for me, and more leading a movement. And that movement is designed to help people realize that it's possible to grow after stress, struggle, hardship, and trauma. And and I'll do everything I can the members of these communities have the training and the skills and the support they need to make that possible. Um, and as, as you know, right, it, it takes partnership to do that. And and I think it, it takes takes a, a lot of effort. It takes working on July 4th. And again, sitting here talking to you, there's no place I'd rather be right now um, than, than doing this and having this critical conversation uh, because I just can't, I can't bear the thought of losing amazing men and women. And suicide's not the only indicator of failure. But it's not just that suicide deprives the world of that human being. It's, it's the impact that that suicide has on the 150 people who knew them and the people in their department and their family. And it's, it's just this sense of brutality that rips people's hearts out. And so I think, you know, doing better. Um, and we just we need a new approach. And that's what we're we're doing. How can um, people connect with Boulder Crest? How do they get more information and and uh, become involved? So you can go to bouldercrest.org, B-O-U-L-D-E-R, <coughs> crest.org, uh, to, to read up and get more information. Uh, we also have a site uh, at strugglewell.com. And so if you are part of a, an active agency and you're interested in bringing StruggleWell to your agency, uh, to your region, then go to Struggle Well and just fill out the form and let us know. Those emails come directly to me, um, and then we'll follow up with you. And, and, and again, we just continue to grow. I think Struggle Well is in 21 plus states uh, already. And, and so go to Boulder Crash. You can learn more about Warrior Path. Uh, go to strugglewell.com to learn more about Struggle Well. And then, as we mentioned, uh, you know, we've written a couple of books that really lay this philosophy out uh, Struggle Well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma, and then Transformed by Trauma are two books that really allow people to get a greater insight into into what we're talking about. And so, you know, do those two things, hit us up, you can hit the contact button and those things will come to me. Well, I want to thank you so much, um, Josh, for taking the time to join me here um, on the uh, the Wounded Blue Hour. Um, I, I can't stress enough to the viewers and the listeners uh, what incredible work Josh and Ken are doing at Boulder Crest. Uh, plus, the, your facility in Virginia is one of the most beautiful places. I want to just retire there. I, it was. It is absolutely. It's. It's. It is the most peaceful, gorgeous grounds. And and I want the people to know this: that that Ken Falk, who created this organization, um, retired Master Chief in the Navy, uh, explosive uh, ordnance. Uh, 
he is a selfless man. Uh, what he's created here and given so much of himself, both in in uh, you know in, as far as resources go, um, uh, the man the man is a, is a true hero, and uh, and you're 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 so fortunate to be able to work and and be a part of of an organization that is literally saving lives. So, uh, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to join me here on uh, on the show. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you, Randy. And as my grandmother would say, you're truly a mensch. Um, so appreciate what you do um, for your community and, and appreciate the journey. And, and I totally agree. Uh, a big founding member of the Ken Falk uh, fan club is amazing, amazing human beings. And you both are just testaments to the power of this, this community of, 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 ser of servants, defenders, patriots, whatever you want to call it. Um, just as a reminder of, of just why you guys are so necessary and how much work there is to do and, and that you guys are the right people to do it. So it's an honor to be uh, to hang around in your company, and I look forward to the summit in September. Thanks so much. All right. Um, stay with us. Uh, thanks for all of you for, for supporting this program. I urge you to go to thewoundedblue.org, hit that Donate button, understand who we are, know that we are a resource for every police officer in America and every police agency in America. If you are a law enforcement uh, executive, send your people to the Survival Summit. And uh, if, uh, if you want more information, go to thewoundedblue.org or contact me, Randy, at thewoundedblue.org. If you want to become a sponsor of this uh, of this event or a sponsor of the Wounded Blue, believe me, we can use your help. You can contact me directly, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. Thanks for joining me again. We'll see you soon.